of Like Dragon Like Sun. We're a father-son podcast. My name is Jay Outway. And my name is Jack Outway. And we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. Dungeons and Dragons, the beauty of it, I think, between us that we found is how much you can give back and, and create with it. And so this That's episode... True. That's true. And, you know, we're in, we're in the midst right now of a time where clearly D&D is going to go through a, a bit of an evolution. Uh, and... You know, there's been a lot of products that have come out lately, a lot of UA, a lot of people out there talking about, um, you know, making mm. new worlds. Yeah. And um, and I guess that's all we've been doing lately. You and I have both been heavily involved in building out very detailed, robust uh, campaigns, more bigger than anything we've we've really built before. Mm. and uh and building websites for it new classes all sorts of things um so it makes sense that you know for us right now uh of all the things to talk about we're not really i don't think we're really in a place to talk a lot about you know stock D and instead we're going to talk a little bit about homebrew mm. and and i know that sort of um you know maybe for some people they're not so into homebrew they like to stay with you know rules is written in stuff or whatever but then again i'm also thinking i don't know a dm who doesn't want to homebrew something it's very true um and so maybe from our experience uh you can can i don't know maybe pick up some tricks or something today um mm. so what we're gonna look at is something that that jack has made uh in for his campaign setting blightheim Mm-hmm. which we've we've talked in the podcast about before yeah uh it's a sort of a, a dark victorian setting um sort of grim dark low magic yeah low magic not no magic but low and low magic. uh and you've got some interesting character backstories um that in some cases the characters want to avoid magical uh, entanglements of some sort, mm. which include magical healing. It's true. So you had to come up with a bit of a of a non magical healing system, something that was beyond the usual healing potions. That's right. And why why weren't healing potions enough? I started with the basic idea of healing potions, which in D anD D is what two d four plus two. It's they're all these little vials of red. Sometimes forty four plus four. You can't really make. I think there's maybe rules for making them, but they're ridiculously hard and slow to make. Yeah, I mean, I uh, to that point in my campaign, I've got characters. Everybody seems to have a healing, um, a herbalism kit, and they're all into it. So I'm like, all right, here's what Mm -hmm. we'll do: is you can cook up. Everybody can if you get the ingredients, you can do one prolonged rest and i think that really speaks to like how easy it is to approach homebrewing a a crafting system like this and i think it really is a crafting system in a sense that's sort of a bit modular that we like to introduce to our games yeah now if it's as simple as oh one input equals one output with put an x you get a healing potion out right yeah and this is not something you can refill or recharge it's just a one-time consumable you make from putting in these ingredients 
Right. Or you make it more of a thing that adapts for story moments. Like perhaps you need a cure for werewolfism. Which um, my whole party's I, every time I run Curse of Strahd, somebody sure. ends up with lycanthropy. And you got to find a curse for werewolfism. And even if you only employ the crafting system, then it was still useful for that one use. Yeah. Well, I had, a, I had this beautiful player handout on old paper sort mm. of thing that has this old recipe on it asking for various weird ingredients. And, you know, yeah. if they traipse around. But here's what I did is I, I made an encounter table that if they rolled really well on it, then uh, one of the, the random encounters would be rare herbs. Yeah, it's, exactly. You start introducing these elements yeah. into your world, right? Yeah. Um, herbalism kit is a great example. I think cook's utensils can be a fun one as well. We, in, the previous can, in the previous or... campaign, mm. I let cook's utensils essentially become the, the, the monk had this like ancient herbal remedy sort of cooking that, yeah. that he did instead which was fine that that worked as, just as well for the same sort of purpose of yeah. being able to brew these things up i wanted something that was a little bit more universal that all players could interact with and utilize even if they weren't specifically you know herbalism related or cooking or alchemy that gave them a chance to have a, a reliable source of healing that wasn't magical right because yeah. i found that with my with my sort of increased dark gritty setting um players would be taking a lot of damage a lot of the time and with you know, slower long rest, slower healing methods, people running out of hit dice, it increasingly became clear that people needed some kind of healing, otherwise they were all going to die. Um, and so that was, you know, all these different factors of A, people wanting this source of man non-magical healing, B, me not being happy with the way healing potions worked, and C, um, this need for a little bit of healing um, and a combat utility as well. And I dreamt up uh, this idea called tonics. I wanted something that kind of felt a little alchemical a little gothic and victorian that yeah that kind of perfumey yeah. sort of innovation invention kind of thing that we'd like to sort of imagine very you know intricate glass bottling or whatever you'd want to call it right and i wanted that to sort of be the base or the, the sort of this feeling of yeah, a little evolution from mm. a potion yeah just which, which is, is very fantasy, very yeah right? very fairy tale sort of uh, to this concoction tonics right? which yeah tonics. suddenly have got a little bit more of a of a pseudoscience sort mm. of thing going to it. Um, yeah. And so I wanted to make it more complex than just, you know, oh, here's, the, you know, three types of healing potions. There you go, right? Yeah. I've always liked the idea in crafting systems of ingredients, right? And I'm sure yeah. you'll see any, you know, person have a homebrew al alchemy system and they'll have a whole, you know, yeah. slew of ingredient types that you put in and they have special effects and maybe yeah. there's recipes to them or maybe there's things. I found some of those systems a little complex. Right. And I was just going to ask that, like, how do you deal with the complexity problem? Mm. And so I wanted to make mine approachable, as approachable as possible, pretty universal, while all, like, pretty universal, while also giving room for lots of customization, a lot of ways to interact with the system. And so essentially the way it works, if I were to break it down simply, is that in order to make any kind of potion or any kind of tonic, you need tempered glass vials. Think of these as your little slots that you fill up, right? Okay. They are reusable, they are infinite, they are rechargeable. They only break if you want to break them. Um, okay. They're not indestructible. You know, you can't really abuse that. But it, hey, if I'm shattered on the ground, it's breaking, right? right. But they're designed so they're not just going to, you know, you're not just going to lose them unless you, well, unless they're stolen from you. But sure. that idea, right? But the idea not, that you can, you could make them or purchase them, I guess. Um, exactly. Just like when you have a healing potion, where does the bottle go? Like in base <laughs> d and D, it's like, do we just leave it behind? Recycle or it? I don't do know. we just like, do I have an empty glass or now is it gone? Do I have to eat the bottle too? Well, Whatever, that was right? sort of, that was sort of uh, something that's, that comes up every once in a while as well as, you know, if you have, say, a po poisoner's kit, does that mean within that kit, 
there's like some sort of safe place to put uh, poisonous ingredients. Sure, right? I mean, you'd you think, have, like, hopefully. Some, to come with a pair of gloves to handle things? Does yeah. it have, uh, you know, you have to sort of, you know, a lot of these kits are ill-defined. Um, and, you know, I guess on purpose so that you as a player or a DM can use your imagination to put whatever in it you think you need. So you made, you've, you've come up with the idea of sort of making the, the bottles a little less just this, you know, nebulous thing that comes yeah. and goes and, and you can't just actual... use any vial for tonics either okay so each vial each tonic has got a different bottle for it is that is that it um well essentially it's it's just this base whatever like this it's a container think of it as a container right but okay. it can't just be you can't just buy a glass vial off a shelf and okay use so it has tonic, to be right? a tonic it's a special quality. ingredient that or a special sort of thing that players need to find in the world that okay. i reward as a dm i need to give it to players players can't make this okay because it's essentially determines how many potions you get so all the time right, right so it gives you a number of slots essentially that way essentially, that you yes. as a dm can kind of control so that doesn't get out of hand and this is sort of yeah, exactly as a dm right. if you're worried that players are going to suddenly have way too many potions sure. you control it by giving them how many um glass files and the specific name i use for this perhaps it's not scientifically accurate i don't really care is tempered glass files which has mm. this again this sense of a little bit of realism to it Maybe it's not exactly makes sense scientifically why tempered glass vials could handle this and others wouldn't, but that's not the point of analyzing exactly how this works. The point is it feels less magical. It yep. doesn't feel like it's a magical, it's just a tempered, it's a specific sort of scientific glass that is used to hold this. Fair enough. Let's it retain its properties. What, that just makes it distinguished from all other vials, right? That was the main purpose of that. But there's these tempered glass vials that you have. The party could divvy them up. Some party members might be like, I don't need healing. I've got my spell slots i've got my i've got my i'm a little cleric or i'm a barbarian that has way too many hit points if someone needs to heal me they will heal me right, right. and so they give their vial perhaps to another party member right okay. and so certain party members could even have more or less than other party members depending on how things go in the so sport. this so this then so like my party has this basically ability right now because i don't have this slot thing mm -hmm. if they find or in the case they just they just visited an apothecary mm -hmm. did a, a really good set of bartering and you know dumped a lot of coin that they had i mean there's not a lot of places to buy things in barovia anyhow so um they managed to pick up loads of ingredients for making more healing potions and they're limited by how much they can make per day but they could still keep stockpiling them because i don't have i never said oh well you need to you, you know you have a limited number of slots so yeah so my character my players could essentially you know maybe have too many where you have kept it so that you've got to be a real, a much closer lid on, on it. And that's partly because of how you, you want to keep the setting. Yeah. Um, scary and dark and a little bit more life-threatening. Yeah, you want to give them healing, but not too much healing. Exactly. It's controlling that, right? And the thing is, if anything you said about all these ingredients, right? Mm. These will still play a role in the system. Yeah. And stockpiling that and finding it is really important. But the nice thing about having it limited by the number of vials you have means that a you're not burning through all your consumables as soon as you get the chance right and you can kind of pace it out a little bit more um and b it means that exactly people won't end up with 20 potions in a day sure. um that is this ultimate limited resource counting down and down and down they know that at the end of the day even if they have no other ingredients they could just make a base tonic with nothing special to it the yeah. ingredients are what adds the spike what adds that sure. flavor i mean i used i use ingredients as as actual drivers for the plot hmm. Because the beginning of the story starts with fighting werewolves, which inevitably, eventually, somebody, at least one person, 
gets bit by a werewolf and gets contracts like anthropy. Yeah. It it I mean, if you go through enough fights, eventually With werewolves. You're gonna, werewolves are gonna get one. Yeah. And and it's funny though, like how many how long this last one I'm like, huh, maybe that's not gonna happen this time. Uh, but it finally it was like the final battle and it, it finally happened and I was like, Oh phew. <laughs> I'm like that that's gonna help my story. So at that point then players are deeply motivated to try and mm. and get the cure, which is great because some other parts of Barovia that I want them to go to, um there's you know, this gives them reason. It's like, well, where do I find black elder bark? Well, that's only grow, only on trees that grow in the swamp. Mm. And so they have to go to, to the swamps of Perez. Um, otherwise, there's not a lot of reason to head down that road. I mean, apart from just, you know, oh, let's explore this region, which they're not really doing. We're trying to, like, you know, motivate people to have, have a reason why they're going certain places. Yeah. So, yeah, for, the, for a lot of my story, um, how it develops, I have my players looking for ingredients, to, like having to go to certain regions to get this thing. And then, of course, they're encountering um, more gothic horror along the way and, and revealing more of the, the, the big plot of the story of, of all the sort of evil, horrible things that are going on mm. and have been going on and, and the way that history has been repeating itself um, is all revealed because of where they end up and the things they find along the way. Yeah, and that's sort of that nice sort of world building that you can reveal that through a, interacting with the lands, mm. you unveil the story, right? Which yeah. I think is a, an important practice so, for making the world feel lived in. Where do, where do your players find ingredients? How does that happen? Well, ingredients come in, in many, many forms, I wouldn't perhaps say, but they are all typically very natural ingredients, right? Yeah. You think about perhaps certain spices, you think about flowers, you think about maybe in some cases fruits. Yeah. Um, even think, you know, I'm just listing a couple, amaranth, coriander, daffodil, sure. hibiscus, uh, hyacinth, you know, ivy, magnolia, whatever, right? These very natural ingredients. Yeah. They're less like, you know, pixie dust or things like that. Monster parts aren't really a part of my ingredients. Sure. And they could be. You know, the, the nice thing about a modular system is that if you wanted more of that mon- witcher yeah. style using monster yeah, parts yeah. you harvest, you could totally do that. But mine I wanted to keep, at least for now, a yeah. little bit more prosaic, a little and bit more that, mundane. And that makes sense. In the beginning, start simple and then ratchet it up, mm-hmm. uh, making you know, the final, towards the very end, if you're going to have a, like, if they're getting good at making potions, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like any video game, you start off the tutorial level, you're making very simple things, and then yeah. as they get good at they get used to this system, because like every crafting system has got it, like a learning curve to it, right? Sure, sure. So what do they need to, they, what kind of, like, all right, walk me through a little bit of like, where would you find a certain ingredient? How would your players go about getting it? And what would they make if they had an empty slot to make something? Right. So essentially the whole process and, and purpose of ingredients is taking your basic healing potion, which gives you healing. And many of the base forms without any ingredients will still give you a little bit of healing there. Right. But if you wanted to do something that perhaps suits your build, maybe you're a fighter and you want to do a little bit more damage, or maybe you want to be a little bit tankier with a little bit more AC for a short right. while. Um, these ingredients serve that purpose of slightly modifying your character's abilities, attributes, and um, the game mechanics, playing with the game mechanics, um, not dr- drastically, but with slight sort of numerical bumps. Right, little um, buffs. Little buffs here and there. Some of them you'll find in the wild. You'll just be like, oh, boom, there was just a field of poppies here. Let's collect a couple poppies and move on. Oh, hey, that's got a cool effect. Next time we make motions, let's add so that. So right? do your players have a list of what the ingredients do? Uh, yes, I've provided them with the whole list of everything. Now, some people might say, well, that's kind of metagamey. I want my players to discover it. Um, on their own and I say go for it 100% go for it I think that's a great idea as well 
Um, the reason I wanted to give it to them is because this is a new system. We right. never interacted with it before, and I wanted them. I yeah. want to be fully transparent. But you've also them, got right? you, you also have a table of people who like crunch and were yes, willing to dig yes. through all these things. I've got players who aren't so much into the crunch. Sure. So when we roll for herbalism stuff that shows up, I'll just roll on the. I I, I too have a big table uh, of all these different plants. I just roll on it, see what comes up, mm-hmm. and then you know the next time they or even at that point, you know they can be they can flip through their various recipe books. And based on which they roll, they said, okay, well, you're, you now have two-thirds of the ingredients you need for, say, an invisibility potion. All you're missing is X ingredient. Mm-hmm. And so they're all like, oh, well, we'll keep an eye out for that, or we'll see if we can get from the apothecary, or we'll try mm-hmm. and forge for it, or they'll try and do something uh, else along the way. And then that just becomes one more treasure they can basically find is yeah. a, as a herbalism ingredient rather than finding you know, coin that they can't spend. Tonics, I, I, you mentioned invisibility potion, which I think is a staple in a lot of yeah. fantasy or just in general, the idea of an invisibility potion. Greater effects like that aren't really a part of this system due yeah. to its sort of numerical nature, right? Um, of giving bonuses. For example, I'll say, um, I've got a whole organized sort of sheet here, but things like spearmint, for instance, um, as a lingering effect after drinking it for a short while, you'll gain a plus five bonus to all dexterity ability checks, right? Ooh. And so there's this one person, you know, your rogue loves to stealth around, right? Perhaps they're now on the look for some spearmint because they know it'll be helpful for an upcoming stealth quest. Right. Um, or maybe, again, you'll go to your local apothecary who you know carries all sorts of ingredients, perhaps a garden of some kind. You, you go to the royal gardens, not because it's a nice place to be, but because perhaps you can find a little bit of, you know, ivy or special, rare, you know, foreign plants that people are growing there that you can perhaps luck um that are more expensive you know perhaps some people are only selling spices some areas are orchards where you could find certain things this is the idea it's part exploration part um social interaction as well perhaps they need to talk to an npc or even the party starts their own garden to start cultivating some of these ingredients if you have a home base style system or home patron yeah you know group patron that idea right um if your party's always on the move then it would be much more sort of general through discovery and exploration now you you said there a second ago lingering effects so you you've got this system built into your Mm -hmm. your little potion your tonics yeah that it has got it's got both an immediate effect and a lingering effect the immediate ones often hit points right uh yes well the thing is i think with with tonics if i was just to break it down essentially it's during a rest, you fill up your, your vials. Right. Um, and you can choose sort of the base form a potion takes. Right. And, so and that you... kind of changes if it's, you know, maybe it's something like a syringe-style injection super fast in object interaction in the right. game, which and is you, the shortest right. of them. So you call those use, rapid right? tonics. Those are rapid tonics. I've got six base types. Right. Well, let's go um, through them. So there's a rapid one, which you can use as an object interaction. Um, so it's the fastest of all. It doesn't even require bonus action. Action, nothing. Right. Just like the same amount of time it would take to draw a sword, right? Um, it immediately restores 1d4 plus 1, which you'll note is about half of a regular healing potion, and that's sort yeah. of the trade-off for it being so fast. And the lingering effects from a potion only last until the end of your current turn. Oh, I see. So the, depending how quickly it administers, it also depends how long it lasts for. It's typically the way and it so works. So the trade-off on your lingering effect is how quickly do I want it to kick to kick in, basically. Or it's like, how long do you want it to last? You know, right. If you make a potion that's full of things that would give you good bonuses to stealth and whatever, or even bonuses to AC, let's say, it's not going to be very useful if it's going to only last until the end of your turn, right? Yeah. 
Um, so that typically with rapid ones, you'd want more immediate effects. And some ingredients give you immediate bumps, like, oh, here's a little bit more hit point. Here's um, my system's got stress. Here's a little bit of stress reducing, you know, sure. things like that. Um, or there's even one which, you know, you gain stress in it. This almost like muscle jerk um, <laughs> lets you attack once, right? Um, which is sort of fun things like that that happen right away. Some ingredients give you lingering effects. Over time, you get a nice bump and bonus, right? Um, so the next bracket up is rudimentary tonics. Rudimentary. This is your basic style healing potion. It's a bonus action to drink, which same the way critical role is. Sure. A little bit faster than base D&D, but I wanted an in-between bonus action activation one. Right. Um, restores 1d8 plus 2 hit points, which is, again, about the same. similar to 2d4, lower. maybe a little bit lower on average, um, but it's a d8 there. And the lingering effects last for a whole round this time. Instead of yeah. just your turn, it's a whole round. So it's a little bit better, but again, yeah. not very long. And slightly better odds of having a higher output as well. So yeah, yeah it exactly. works out. I mean, sort of better distribution of odds. The next one is the residual tonic. Now, this one takes a whole action to drink. Yeah. Um, but for the next three rounds, not right away, at the end of your turn for the next three rounds, you get 1d6 plus 1. So it's a bit of a slower um, regeneration of hit points over time. Perhaps you know for the next little while you're going to be hit again and again and again. You don't want that right away hit points. You want some slow buildup. This is also useful out of combat because you know you're probably going to maximize the use out of that when there's not turns to worry about. But if you need hit points right away, this is not the one for you. Um, the nice thing about this is that its lingering effects last for three whole rounds as well. Okay. And so these ones are sort of a slower burn of, of potion. And tracking, you, you don't find this much trouble tracking things that are... Well, players, as they decide this, and it's, it's their agency, right. they're the ones who track this, right? And they do a good job of that. Um, and so far, they've been a good, very good job of that. Um, I say if you have trouble with this at your table, maybe limit ones that last for longer rounds like this. Yeah. Um, I think or, anything or find, one or two. Or find little um, mm. tokens or things yeah, like you tokens. can uh, keep on the table, the little markers or stuff, and they exactly. can uh, give back each turn or whatever. Mm. Um, just things that help sometimes track. Uh, it's easy to forget. Yeah. In, in the scope of all the things you're managing as a DM, mm. that, you know, somebody's potion is worn off. Mm. Um, exactly. You've got enough things to worry about as a DM. Keeping track of potions, that's a player's job, right? Because sure. it's something that they're well, Yeah, or, or sometimes you can. I mean, if you are, I keep track of which rounds we are on. And sometimes mm -hmm. I just, as I mark the round, sure. I'm also just make note in that round. This is when it's going to exactly right um so yeah mm. as a dm make 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 round notes you know keep track of stuff that's going on mm. and even just a gentle reminder oh hey this round is passed typically sure. even with spell effect people who play spell casters will be familiar tracking durations spells that have one yeah, minute yeah. which almost like in combat you never see the end of a one minute spell yeah. um usually well, cast doesn't go round two or three in but combat when, really last more than six seven rounds maybe. yeah maybe and and this is i mean i've gone away from using the digital combat trackers and doing it more on paper mm. again because it does allow me to make notes round by round as things are going on yeah um it just helps me i think working with paper more um, yeah and the digital ones don't usually give you a chance to put notes and stuff in so you're back and forth between paper and digital i find it all it's in true. one place it's pretty easy to write down initiative order it's of people hard. as <laughs> it comes up yeah um um, those first three I mentioned were kind of what I started with, right? When I originally imagined or envisioned the system, I was like, I want a fast one, I want an in-between one, and I want a longer slow burn one. Later on, as my players, because they're creative and they love interacting with the things I make, they suggested making more. Make, they wanted to see more unique ways to play with the system. And so extending that, and this is, again, optional, as all of this is, but I'd say only take this if you want to push it a little bit further, are three more 
Um, I don't know if you noticed, but all of them are, are start with R and have a different <laughs> um, letter right after it. So you could acronym it if you want. There's rapid, rudimentary, residual, uh, ritualistic, which is a whole minute. So this one's probably not going to be very useful in combat, but it gives you, the, there's no healing to it either. Just a, a whole minute to consume it slowly, perhaps inhale, however you'd want to imagine. Picture this. It's up to you. Um, but the ingredient effects last for a whole hour or until you consume a different tonic. So if you really are about those lingering effects, this is the one for you. And you'd probably need to set it up before battle as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, robust is an action to drink, another action one. Um, it gives you the most instantaneous one, which is 1d12 plus 3, which is better than your average healing potion. Um, and the nice thing about it as well is that if you really like making potions that have instant effects, this one doubles all the static values in your instantaneous effects. So for example, there's an ingredient called um, lavender, which reduces your stress by 2d4. If you use this base form, uh, it now reduces your stress by 44, doubling those dice, yeah. um, which are, are perhaps if you're a person who likes interacting that or maybe wants to take that complexity to the next level, that could be useful there. And then finally, there's rhapsodic. Um, we were looking for any sort of R word that wasn't <laughs> one of your you know, cardinal vowels and ended up with RH, which is a bit of a rare combination. Uh, and this one is for people who love interacting with ingredients. Um, it gives you 1d4 for each ingredient added. Um, it's the only one that kind of fluctuates depending on how you use ingredients. And also, it can hold up to four, um, which is all of them, and I haven't mentioned this rule yet, have a maximum of three ingredients that you can hold in them. I right? see. So you can combine effects. And you can combine effects, exactly. Interesting. Um, which is nice. The thing is you can't stack effects. You couldn't put three lavender yeah, so it's or interesting three like, of lavender, right? So my crafting system like, usually has a few ingredients to go together that make one potion. Yours, each single ingredient essentially has a buff to it. And yes. you can kind of create your own tonics yeah. by putting those ingredients together. Mixing and matching. And, and if, with the base form in it too. Right. And so you've really got this customizable system of what your potions look like, how long does it take you to drink them, um, how much points does it give you right away, and also what little special spicy effect have you mixed in there to make sure. it your own, right? Um, Which really then brings it down to the only, mm. only really big challenge is the... Uh, is the how do I get ingredients? Exactly. And that is through, of course, purchasing, spending money. If you find your players are just stock hoarding money and they have nothing to spend it on. We've talked about this before. Ingredients are a fun way to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, essentially, you're grocery shopping. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, it's fun. It is fun. Um, and to make, it's very simple to make it, to brew a tonic, to get those um, together. It happens during rests, which I think is honestly the best place to include yeah. crafting um, rather than on the fly. I like and it if, during rest. And if you don't want it always to be the apothecary, you could do a farmer's market. You could sure. do, uh, you know, come up with sort of different ways that you might find uh, places, mm. people with ingredients for things. Um, Perhaps the mortician, there's only special flowers that grow in his graveyard, right? Perhaps. Um, I don't know. You can be fun with yeah, where it could be a flower shop, there. really, because sure. so many of the ingredients in there are flower based. A flower um, test. Yeah, and it's all sorts of things. Um, yeah, I, I think that you just gotta you gotta think of like some kind of unusual ways that maybe mm. uh, you'll find ingredients. these ingredients in a in a village or a sure. rural setting or something. Or yeah, even as you're exploring, traveling, random encounters like you yeah. mentioned are great places for it as put, well. Put in the low numbers, you know, put a, a nice thing for them to find. Mm. Um, you know, have have it so your table isn't just monsters all the way through it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, put put uh, put scores where they can actually 
find stuff. And also if they want to go foraging, I think that's also a, a great mm. time to basically say, yeah, you can go and roll and you know, see what you can collect. But one. we're definitely going to throw a monster at you now yeah. while you're out there. And that's a, a sort of fun variation on exploration mm. where, you know, players are wandering off the beaten path uh, looking for something. And then you get to bring something from the, the, the wild, the, the, you know, mm. something that is part of the story, the bigger story, but they may not have seen or done or whatever. And now they have to deal with this creature from that's out in the woods. Yeah. Maybe there's some killer bees and they are pollinating these flowers, which you know are very useful ingredients, but now you have to tackle with the bees, right? Yeah. I don't know. There's fun ways you can make them kind of more challenging encounters, or they're just things that players find along the way as well. Easy, simple, but also perhaps the more important ingredients are, I mean, you have the journey for um, yeah. as well, which is fun. And like I said, I mean, you can go as far as like I have where you know that there's certain major encounters that are based around players going after a particular ingredient. Mm. Um, that is our MacGuffin. It's, it's, you know, it's not a sacred statue. It's not a holy item. It's not a magic treasure. It's, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. black elder bark, sure. which I suppose is like a <laughs> magic item in it a way. It sounds uh, magical. Um, yeah. And you could make them more, again, yeah, those special sun things like black elder bark or just simple things like I got parsley, you know? Yeah time i my my players show up in the the swamp and there's two trees that that have that grow black elder bark two black elder trees one has already been stripped of its bark and you see a a, a goat nearby um who's just finished eating all the bark off of one tree and is heading over to the last remaining tree mm. and basically it's like it's a goat how how tough could it be but of course you got to run across the swamp and then it's full of corpse flowers and zombies and oh, all sorts of things right. and then of course the goat transforms into um a you know vampire bride and right you know <laughs> everything starts to go crazy on them yeah that's that's again an example of how fun you can make these simple fetch quests and uh, something a little bit more um deadly deadly yeah or, yeah. or a little bit more exciting or interesting yeah. and then yeah it's it's yeah it goes from and and it basically you know they they don't it's also an unusual sort of vibe because they they know that time is running out for a party member if they don't get this ingredient, yeah. they're freaking dead. And so, so yeah, and it's, the nobody's leaving this fight. Like, everybody's going to go all in on this one. It can be and, a tense, yeah, uh, clock ticking down scenario where you need the tonic to cure something. Yeah. Um, that, again, is a little bit more quest-related, and it's not really what the system was devi- designed for initially, but it can accommodate for it still, which is yeah. what I, I kind of like about it um, as well. To make any kind of tonic during a short or long rest, you don't even need proficiency with a toolkit. You just need to have access to either alchemist supplies, brewer supplies, cook's utensils, or herbalism kits, any sure. of the four. And it's, it's pretty much as accessible as you can make it without just being, like, coming from thin air, right? Um, as long as you've got your vials uh, and during a rest you've got access to one of these four kits, you can refill your tonic um, to its base and also include any ingredients that you want. It's as simple as that. You, the whole process is got my vial, choose my base form, Choose up to three ingredients that can't be the same. So no DC checks. Or any There's sort. no ability checks required. It just happens automatically, right? right. Um, in, yeah, in my, my system, mm-hmm. healing potions and, and um, antitoxins are that way. Like They're just basic guaranteed passes. Sure. Um, but things like the invisibility potion or other potions with magical effects um, typically require somebody with the alchemy yeah. uh, kit to make a... a skill check i think that's valid um and and i'm not hard like fail 
pass fail on it. Mm-hmm. I'm like fail by degrees. Sure. So a really bad roll, it's like, yep, yeah, still got the potion. And then what I like to do is when the players decide to use it, instead of it lasting its normal duration, uh, it suddenly fizzles out like three rounds into their invisibility. Right. That's fun as well. And, I, I like that. And so there's like, it, that adds complication to situations mm. where it requires more impro- improvisation at the table to sort of, they had a plan and then the plan goes wrong because the potion that they brewed was, wasn't a very good job. And mm. it's just more fun that way. That is more fun. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think the thing with the system is I wanted it to be just, the mission is getting the ingredients, right? The whole quest is acquiring them, things like that. And with the consumable nature of them, I thought just giving it to them is enough. I think I like the idea, though, but for more special, you know, players going out of their way to try something bigger, um, that it would require uh, an ability check. And I think that's something you can add into it. Ability checks are often underutilized in um, certain areas of the game, I think, yeah. introducing them. But also, also, I just think, I think ability checks where it's like pass-fail, and if you fail, then, like, you're just stuck at the door because your rogue couldn't pick the lock. It's terrible, like, D&D. Don't do that. Mm. It's always a failure by degree. Um you know, they, they fail, yeah, they get the door open, but now on the other side of the door, instead of it being nothing, there's something. Yeah. Like, you know, make, make, it, um, mm. make it so that the, you don't, and it's actually you as a DM, you don't want to paint yourself into dead ends by having players fail mm. because the dice, you know, the dice changes the story. The dice don't end the story. Yeah, exactly. Um... That's a, we've talked about this in previous episodes as well. Roles that are just there for the sake of being another obstacle or hurdle to jump over that if they don't succeed can impede things for no real reason other than to feel like there's a challenge. It's not really the yeah. best place to include a role. Uh, not to say that it's roles, never roles, useful, but roles like, are about story. It's about story, right? It's about that chance. Um, and if you want there to be a chance for them to fail, then include a role. If you don't want there to be a chance to fail and you don't know what to do when they fail, don't include a role. If that's mean, not it's... part of your story. If you're not ready to yeah. do something with there, don't put a role in. Honestly, mm. just keep and that going. kind of that brings me to sort of another point of of something that you can do specially with these crafting systems, and that's the idea of how big a role does discovery play in it, right? Because um, in my system, I I created something that's very secret for my players. I gave them all the ingredients individually, but I didn't reveal to them secret recipes, right? Right which are this idea that by having unique special combinations that you can get additional supplementary effects um, right. that you need to discover through experimentation, right? And there's or, that exciting, or finding, or finding, finding a recipe. and yeah. recipes in the world, which are much more um, substantial discoveries yeah. that you can make or, or hints and well, clues. I, I also up, I right? like the idea that, that sometimes the first cookbooks they find, and I'm not sure what, how many languages does your world have? they got things that your players can't um, really there's, read? Yeah, there's typically languages are for... Like really distant like societies yeah, right. or for cre- different creature types that are older or more eldritch or more demonic or whatever, right? Sure. Um, where otherwise there are dialects, though, that kind of sort of show class or show whatever, right? Yeah, and that by so one having of, proficiency with those dialects, you can better grasp right. what people are saying or insight checks, things like that, right? So one of, one of the things in my world is that there is an old Barovian language that not everybody knows or mm-hmm. understands. And so... Some of the the first sort of cookbook that they do find is is like really old, mm-hmm. and they need basically to find somebody who can help sort of translate it for them, or you know, 
along the way or some other you know magical means or whatever to sort of come up with finding like the recipes in it and finding what it means what's in it um and i just kind of like that's like one more sort of way to sort of make your world come alive is mm-hmm. to find things in it that are clearly a treasure but that that treasure is essentially encoded mm. and so you've got these layers of encoding you've got languages and then you've got ingredients and then you've got a skill check to sort of see whether you can brew it and then you know all these things sort of take take sort of time to sort of to to create so they they happen over usually a few sessions before the payoff happens and i think that makes for interesting stories so you know when you're Mm. doing these sorts of crafting things um yeah it's about the long story in many ways um rather than about the crunch i think it's important not to make it too much about you know or if you're Again, if a party's not super into that or doesn't really respond to that as much, making it really story-heavy and lore-rich for some people is what they like, right? Yeah. The whole discovery side of things, the whole unveiling this over time, that mystery that kind of builds, um, is really rewarding to some people where other people just want, they want my plus one to AC now. Yeah, and they, I want they don't to want to have to interact with the they game don't want system. To have to, I want to They don't, don't want to interact with an NPC. They want to just get the bump well, to the mechanics. Well, my NPC so that I can get my little reward from you so i can get my you know plus five wisdom ability check down the line right um and that's that sort of feeding into what their characters interest and what their build is because some people really like the idea of building certain characters with certain abilities in games right which i can also understand and reward right sure Um, and well and with this you do get very your system is great for being very witcher-esque in that you can if you know you've got a certain build that needs you know that mm -hmm that really benefits from certain mechanical bumps and you recognize, oh my goodness, all I need to do is find X ingredient mm-hmm. and put those together and suddenly kerpow, that combination of things is going to really, you know, make me super powerful. Sure. Even if only for three rounds. Um, that's often enough in a fight uh, to, to really turn the tables. It's very true. Like maybe, you know, you're a psionic caster and then you grab some plum. Um, which adds a d6 to your next attacker effect dealing psychic damage, right? And so by knowing things about your own character, perhaps you're someone who, you know, is all about slaying beasts. Uh, pick up some Wolfsbane, um, and you've got a plus three to AC against beasts. Perhaps you're better at defending against them. Whatever, right? There's this idea that this is all accessible. Players will see this. Maybe they won't even look at this. Maybe they're like, I don't really care. This is too much information for me. You know, this is too many things. I can't really think about it, right? Yeah. What you do with those players is you make it more of a discovery thing, making it more of a, oh, you find this ingredient too. And they're starting to, oh, what is that ingredient? And then they pull it up and they, they read it and they go, oh, that's kind of interesting. I guess I might use that next time. Yeah. At worst, they'll never really interact with the ingredient system. Um, at best, they'll learn to enjoy it through you sort of slowly feeding it out to them. And that's how some people interact with stories and, and mechanics look, it, too. This is, this is one more way to do something that is really fun and popular to do in D&D. Mm-hmm. Which is to hand out, um, hand out something, some little tiny boon that interacts with the mechanics of the game in some yeah. way for a temporary sort of way that the player can wait to try and pick that right time to, and, and even the party can decide which player should have it for which particular thing, and then mm-hmm. bang, drop it. And yeah, uh, there's a number of different ways we can do this. I've done it with the Taroka deck. Um, you can do it with, you know other sort of epic boons you could do it with you know gifts from gods there's loads of different things but totally uh and i think you know but but ingredients just natural ingredients are uh, mm. a very fun one especially in a gothy victorian setting like it does yeah. seem to play well in that space something about that idea of, of 
lavender, blending lavender and sage and rosemary and, and you know, a trap of honey or perhaps a, a a, some star anise or <laughs> I don't know, some of them start to get gross. But, you know, if you start combining these things together, that doesn't sound very appetizing. But, um, yeah, I think it's just a way to get players to start thinking a little bit more um, in ways that they can interact with the systems that you introduce. Right. It's fantastic. Um, that's my crafting system for healing potions, wow. too. Um, Absolutely excellent. And I hope that was inspiring to some of you at home. I hope everybody out there gives a, you know, a little bit of time to the idea of coming up with your own little crafting systems. Or if you don't want to come up with your own, I, I promise, go have a quick look on DMs Guild or other places that you will or find. Or Reddit. I mean, Reddit, Arcana, I mean, great places, just right? Google it. There is lots and stuff out there. Uh, you can grab a big list of ingredients online mm. pretty easy. And, uh, and then, yeah, just come up with whatever you think would be the easiest, simplest thing you can run at the table that'll work at your table. Yeah. That doesn't take away from the story, but rather adds to it. Exactly. All right. Thanks for joining us this week. Um, hope you learned something. Hope you can take it home and start crafting. Yeah. Crafting. Get out there. See you next week. Bye.